Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Psalm 24. Some of you have grew up in church, you may have heard this before. Songs have been written about this, so you may have even heard somebody sing a song, but I want to preach on this today, and I have a theme that, that is driving me. I, I have this entire message that I want to preach, but there's a theme. There's, there's one thought that if I, can, if I can get across to you and the Lord can get you to get a hold of this one thought, oh, Lord, it'll change your life. It's going to open up this whole world for you, and, it, and then what it'll do to high praises. Good, good gracious. By the way, y'all look good. Look at all this crowd here today. People coming back to church, I like it. I like it. If an usher asks you to move over, just kindly move over. They're trying to find seats, but I like it. I like it. We get to 80%, we'll probably have to go back to two services, but right now this is fun. I like preaching to all y'all. And for all you Yankees that move here, all y'all is the plural of y'all. And we're glad to have all y'all. Psalm 24, I'm not going to read all of it. I want to begin at verse 7. I've entitled this, Open Up and Let Me In. That's what the Lord's saying today. Open up and let me in. Psalm 24, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. What will happen? The King of glory shall come in. Well, who is this King of glory? Is it David? Is it Solomon? Is it, is it Josiah? Who is it? Oh, no, 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 no. It's not a man. It's the Lord with a capital L. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. The Lord of the armies of heaven. He is the King of glory. Y'all want to say amen to that? Y'all can already feel it, can't you? Have a seat. Sit down. Let me just jump into this. So when David was king of Israel, you know, the David that was from David and Goliath, he eventually became the king of Israel. When they moved into Israel, there were, there were tribes there and these, these groups that were very, very wicked and evil. And so the, God used the people of God to go in and, and fight them and destroy them. And one of them was the Jebusites. And they occupied the city of Jerusalem. And so David and his men attacked it and, and overtook it, captured it, and occupied the city of Jerusalem. And David said, I'm claiming this is my city. It's called the city of David. I know Bethlehem is called the city of David, but so is Jerusalem. And so it became, and he said, this will be the capital of Israel, even as it is today. And so when David occupied Jerusalem, he set up, now stay with me, right? We don't have Solomon's temple yet. You don't have a permanent fixture. He set up a tent. It was called the tent of meeting. And it, or a tabernacle, if you will, in Jerusalem, just like the children of Israel did for 40 years in the wilderness. But now it's a permanently fixed tent in Jerusalem to serve as a place of worship and to offer sacrifices to God. So on one particular occasion, you can read about this in 1 Chronicles 15, I think it's maybe in 2 Samuel 6 as well, David brings in the Ark of the Covenant, which was that, that piece of furniture that held the, the Ten Commandments and, uh, and the law of God, it symbolized the presence of God. 
So he brings that ark into Jerusalem and puts it in this tent of meeting because you had to have the ark in the temple if you were going to worship God, if you were going to sacrifice to God. Just like today, it sure helps if you have the presence of God in your church if you're going to do all this singing and all these things that we do. We want the presence of God, don't we? And so he brings in the ark representing the presence of God. Jewish tradition states that this psalm, Psalm 24, was written to commemorate this event. And this is what we learn from Jewish tradition, that on that day, there was a choir. Okay, David appointed this guy named Asaph to have a choir. And so there was a choir. So I want you to just get in mind that there is a choir standing at this main gate to Jerusalem. And the choir would sing verses 1 and 2, because you remember the Psalms are songs. So they're singing this. We read it, but they were singing. So they sang verses 1 and 2, and then one soloist sang verse 3, and another soloist sang verse 4. Then the choir comes back and sings verses 5 and 6. Then it gets interesting. As the people entered the gates of Jerusalem, then the choir would all sing verses verse 9 Oh, lift up your heads, oh, you gates. Lift up your everlasting doors. The king of glory shall come in. And you can hear the music, and it crescendos, and the king of glory shall come in, just like they do in our songs. And it's just, and it stopped. And in the last verse, one person yells out at the top of their, their lungs, who is the king of glory? And they said the entire crowd that day said, The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Because you hear like thousands of people just doing that. Man, could you imagine what it was like? The Bible says they danced, they shouted, they sang, the music was playing. That's the day David took off all of his royal accessories and danced before the Lord with all his might. They They had a Pentecostal throwdown, didn't they? That's how we can term it. They had church. And they just worshiped God. And it was a powerful, glorious moment. Why? Because they opened up the gates and the presence of God entered in and took up residence in the city. Y'all see where I'm going with this, right? Now, that's a great, that's a great thing to understand, a great, great thing to review from the history of Israel. But I'm a preacher. And our job is to take these things and God gives us spiritual insights and understanding. And my eyes just opened up this week to so many spiritual truths from this story that I just felt so compelled to bring to you truths about opening up your life, opening up your spirit to the presence and the power of God. So can we just kind of go through this again? Lift up your head, O you gates, and you everlasting doors. Now everybody in this room knows what a gate is, we know what a door is, and in its simplest, for the simplest definitions or definition of these two words, gates and doors are entryways, right? So to enter Jerusalem, you had to go through a gate. This is still true today. There are eight gates in Jerusalem. When you entered High Praises Church today, you had to come in through the outer doors, whether that was in the foyer. A lot of you came in through the breezeway door where you brought your children into the children depart- children's department. When you entered this room, you had to walk through one of the sanctuary doors. Okay, if you have a garage at your house, your, your garage door gives you access to the garage. The outer doors give you access to your house. The interior doors give you access to the various rooms within your house. 
So we understand that. This is very simple preaching. What you may not know is that you have gates or doors within you. Now, some people say we're a dichotomy. Some people say we're a trichotomy. I'm, I'm in the camp of the trichotomy. So whether or not you believe that or not, I'm preaching, so don't worry about it. But you, you are comprised of a body, a soul, and a spirit. Your body is the gateway to the world. That gate is comprised of your five senses. So through the five senses, every day you get up and you interact with this world. It is the gateway to the world. Your soul, the Greek word is psyche, it is from that that we get psychologists and psychologists and psychiatry and psychology. It is, it is that word psyche, self, the gate, your soul is the gateway to yourself. It is, it is how you, you connect with your mind, with your emotions. You know, you can come to church and have a smile on your face and look so nice and inside you're in turmoil. You're grieving. You're frustrated. But nobody sees that. But you know, because you know what's going on in your soul. And then there is your spirit. The body is the gateway to the world. The soul is the gateway to yourself. But your spirit is the gateway to God. Did you know when you got saved, there was this incredible thing that happened, if you are saved, this incredible thing that happened where your, first of all, when you got saved, your spirit came alive because you were dead. And then God joined your spirit with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, and I quote, He who is one with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So you don't just visit Jesus on Sunday when you come to church. Or he doesn't just flitter in and out of your life. No, there was this holy union that took place that his spirit joined with your spirit so that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, guess what? He is there. Y'all getting this? And how did he come? He came through your spirit. Okay, so that's the first thing. Now, when David and the Ark of the Covenant approached the city, evidently the gates were closed. Normally the gates were open throughout the day and then closed at night. We don't know why the gates were shut because we got to assume this happened in the day. But I think we all understand, too, that there are reasons to lock your doors. You lock your doors to keep people out. Let me just say some things things today. I'm just going to preach, okay? Now, if the shoe fits, wear it. Toes get too bad, stomped on, pull them up in your shoes. But otherwise, receive what I have to say and let it help you because if some of you will listen to me today, I could really help your life. There are some people and some things you should not give access to your life. Some of you are putting up with some people that you don't need to put up with anymore. Some of you are putting up with some stuff in your life that you don't have to put up with. You're just putting up with it. And my wife was right. You need to get sick and tired of it. She didn't know what I was going to preach today, but she was, she was going right down the road. You need to get sick and tired of it and do something about it. We live in a world of constant data and noise, and something or someone is always screaming for your attention. So I just want to tell you today, you need to be careful who you let in your world. Now listen to me. Some of you need to hear this. It is okay to be choosy. It's okay to tell some people, No. You don't have to answer every phone call. You don't have to answer every text. There's this wonderful thing on my phone called block caller. It's wonderful. I use it. Not on you, of course. 
But somebody from San Diego keeps I don't know anybody in San Diego. So I just keep blocking them. I don't know how. They keep getting my number. It's a different number every time. You know what I'm talking about, these scam artists. There are some people you need to say no. You don't have to answer their calls. You don't have to answer their texts. I'm not on Facebook, but they say there's this wonderful thing called unfriending. Oh, but Pastor, if I unfriend them, they'll get upset with me. If you want to unfriend them, why do you care about whether or not they get upset with you? Isn't that the whole point of unfriending them? I don't get it. I'm confused. What are you, passive aggressive? Well, I'm going to unfriend them, but then I'll DM them and tell them why I'm unfriending them. And hopefully they'll DM back, and then I'll know that everything's okay. And, you know, if everything works out, then I might just friend them again. I'm not on Facebook. Some people you don't need to DM. Some people you don't need to, to text. Some people you, need to, you don't need to go out with on Friday night anymore. Some people you don't need to date. Some people you need to go, go out after church and break up. I'm preaching. I'm in your stuff, but you just hang on. Some people you need to go home and say it's over. You keep pulling me down, and I'm trying to go forward. You know, the Bible says bad company corrupts character. You've got to be careful who you let into your life. It's, it's okay to stop some relation. You know, there are a few people in Anderson, I do not feel socially obligated to them. I don't. I see them coming in a grocery store down one aisle. I just go over to the produce section. I'm not being mean. I'm not being unchristlike. Don't judge me. Jesus wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, he would. There was this group called the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians. They ended up putting him on the cross. He was nice to everybody else. But you ever notice how he talked to them? You son of a snake, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed sepulcher. Y'all think I preach hard? Here's the problem. Yes, sometimes you need to block out people. Hey, let me say this too. You need to be careful what you read and what you listen to. You read everything on Facebook, you're going to stay in a turmoil all the time. You, you know what you do? You second guess. I'm not even on Facebook, but I'm going to tell you. You read something, and then you're second guessing it. What do they mean by that? I don't, did they mean that towards me? You're like, you couldn't watch a football game because every time they get in a huddle, you think they're talking about you. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know that's a stronghold in your mind? Yes, sir. That's a stronghold in your mind where you're just worrying all the time about what people are doing, what they're saying. Ten times out of ten, they're not talking about you. But there are some things you don't need to read. There are some things you don't need to listen to. There are some, yes, I'm going to say, there's some songs you don't need to listen to. There are some songs that come on the radio, you need to turn it off or change the channel. Some of it, a lot of it's country music. I heard a country song last night, and it offended me as a believer. But I know Christians that will sing right along with it. You're not listening to the lyrics. Y'all don't want to hear this kind of preaching. Y'all want me to quit? I'll quit right now. Your eyes and your ear. listen to me, your eyes and your ears are the gateways to your mind and your heart. That's why I'm preaching like this. Here's the problem. This is the one I'm worried about. Sometimes we're guilty of locking out God. Not me. I hope not. How many times, whether it's in your personal life or here at church or somewhere, 
God's trying to move in your heart, in your spirit. God's moving on you. You feel him moving, dealing with you. But you hold him at arm's length. He's trying to touch you and change you, but you've bolted the door and you keep quenching the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that a cry went out to the gatekeepers. Lift up your heads. Open up the gates. The King of glory wants to come in. And as I said, the King of glory is the Lord God Almighty. It's God. It's Jesus. If you want to put it in New Testament terms, God desired to enter the city. God wanted to come into the temple. He wanted to see the sacrifices. He wanted to receive the worship of his people. He wanted to work in their lives. He wanted to meet them at their points of need. For that to occur, they had to open up the gates and let him in. And I just came here today to tell you, brothers and sisters, there is such a strong spiritual message there that if God is going to move in you, and y'all, we need God to move in us more than ever before. We need God moving in our lives. We need God moving in our church. And if it's going to happen, happen, you're going to have to be willing to open up your spirit and say, have your way, O Lord. Not what I want, not my will, but whatever you want to do, come in, rearrange the furniture. Whatever you want to do, God, just move in my life and have your way. God and his spirit are crying out today, let me in. Let me in. So let me talk to some people today and see if the shoe fits. Let's say you came to high praises this morning or someone's watching online. Let's just get real, okay? And you're not right with the Lord. You're not saved. You're not born again. You know you're not right with God, okay? Let's just be real, okay? Like if you died right now, you know you're not going to heaven. You don't deserve to go to heaven. You're going to hell, okay? Let's just call it what it is. You, you, You know the way you talk, the way you think, the way you act. You know you're not right with God, Okay? Right now, God knows your heart. God knows your condition. He knows where you're at, but this is a great thing. God's outside of your, the door of your heart saying, hey, let me in. Right now, sin dwells in you. You're full of iniquity. You're full of evil. Satan sits on the throne of your heart, but this is the gospel. If you will believe in Jesus' death because he died in your place, God will take all of your sins away. If you ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you. He will cleanse you. And this is the great part. He will evict sin. He'll give sin an eviction notice. Evict sin. Evict the devil. Evict all those things out of your life. And he will come in and dwell in your heart by faith. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, like I said, joins with your spirit and you become a partaker of the divine. See, everybody just think Christian people just saved. That means you're not going to hell, you're going to heaven. No, I became a partaker of the divine nature. Something radically changed in me. Y'all hear me? That's why somebody says they get saved, but they don't change, then they're not saved because you change because something changes inside of you. Y'all hear me? That's real, true Christianity. I've been trying to preach this for years in an area where religion and the spirit of religion has prevailed for decades. And there are a lot of people with the spirit of religion that think they're going to heaven. But what you have to do is you have to say, it ain't about a religion, it's about a relationship. It's about what he has done in me and changed my life. He'll fill you with the Spirit. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. So I just want to say today, if there's somebody here, and I love preaching the gospel. I love seeing people come to the Lord. It's one of the main things that drives me. I love, what, I love to see the look on people's faces when they get saved and God takes all the guilt and the fears 
and the shame away for their life, takes the sin away, and he, and he puts his presence in, and he fills you with joy and peace and love, and you get this stupid Gomer Powell grin on your face, and it's awesome because you just have this unbelievable joy, and you just want to tell everybody what God has done. I love when God does that, and you just start living. You just start living. There are some churches that need to open their doors to Jesus. I don't know what good this is preaching, y'all, because we our doors are open to the Lord here. But maybe somebody's going to watch this, and I'm, I'm going to preach it anyway. Who knows who might watch this and need to hear this, maybe somebody else. But believe it or not, God doesn't have access to every church. I hope you know that. You can have a preacher, a congregation, a building, chairs or pews, a sound system, carpet, educational wing, a parking lot, and a sign out front, and you can still not have Jesus in the church. Now, that's sad, and it can happen to big churches, and it can happen to small churches. In Revelation 3, Jesus speaks to a church in the city of Laodicea, an area that's modern-day Turkey, the country of Turkey. And this is what he tells them. He says, you say I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. Hey, we got plenty of money in the bank. Look at our facilities. We got us a great preacher that he has, he's Dr. So-and-so, and we have all these staff members, and we've got carpets, and we've got all these facilities, and state-of-the-art everything. We've got, we've got lots of money in the bank. We've just got, we've got all these deacons and elders and people in leadership, and the mayor goes to our town, and we've got a state senator that goes to our church. Uh, the mayor of the town goes, the mayor of the city goes to our church, and, and we've got all these, these high-power people that come. We're, we've got it. we got it all together. And Jesus said, Really? He said, that's how you see yourself. Let me tell you how I see you. You don't know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Spiritually. You can have all the stuff, but if you don't have Jesus and the Holy Ghost and the Lord working in the hearts and lives of the church and the people, you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind. And you know what he told him? He said, you're not hot and you're not cold. You're lukewarm. You're lukewarm. You just got just enough of something to make people think you're a church. But he said, you, and I'm just going to preach like Jesus preached. He said, but you make me sick to my stomach, make me want to throw up. That's what he said. You make me want to throw up. Now, I know that's hard preaching. Oh, hallelujah. You're not going to get a lot of amens on that. But I didn't come here for amens. But my point is, Jesus said to them, to the church, because see, a lot of times people take this text, preachers will take this text and they'll preach it to sinners as a salvation message. It's, it can be used for that, I guess, but that's not the context. Jesus then says to the church, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Where was Jesus? He was outside. He was outside the church. The pretty church. The church with all the money, elder. He was outside that church saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I will come in and have fellowship with him and we'll eat. We'll go to Chick-fil-A. We can't do it on Sunday. But he said, I'll sup with him. He does. He said, I'll eat with him. And him with me. I think that's more about fellowship. I'd rather pastor a church with 10 members, with people who are full of the Holy Ghost on fire, than 10,000 members, and they're all playing games and a bunch of hypocrites with a spirit of religion. I'd rather have a church where Jesus is at than a church where we got everybody in town who's a super somebody, but Jesus is not there. How about we get both? Because I'm an equal opportunity pastor. You can be on WIC 
or a United States senator to come here, I'm going to take them all because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. I'm going to treat them all the same. I'm sorry, I've been that way for 30-something years. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Nobody stands higher than anybody else. Now let me just give a word of warning. I don't know who's going to watch this. Maybe nobody, but it'll make me feel better. If you are a modern-day Laodicean church and you decide to let Jesus in your heart and you decide to let Jesus come into the church, you better get ready because there will be an exodus. Because when Jesus comes in, carnal, power-hungry people who like their social club will not like it and they'll eventually move out. I'm just telling you. It's happened. You let Jesus in and you start having a move of God like we have in this church with the Spirit and God, power of God, and people like that will say, I'm not going there. They're, getting, they're just getting fanatical. I just, I'm just, I just can't sit there. The whole time I'm worried about what the visitors will think. What will the visitors think? Can I tell you what the visitors are thinking? If they wanted a Methodist church, they'd have gone to a Methodist church. If they wanted a Presbyterian service, they'd have gone to a Presbyterian service. If they wanted a Catholic mass, they'd have gone to St. Joe's down here on 81. But my God, they wanted a Pentecostal church service. We cannot disappoint them. We need to let God be God and let the Holy Ghost. I'm about to. Come on, somebody. We need to know who we are and go ahead and be who we are. And the church said, well, I know you felt it. I want to get it out too. You know what will happen though? Go ahead and let God move in your modern Laodicean church. Let him move. Let those folks leave because God will send you a whole new batch of people who are hungry for God. Sinners will come in and get saved. People who hear about it will come in because where there's smoke, there's fire. And people will come to check you out and God will build that church and grow. Matter of fact, you'll get that spirit of religion out of your church and your church will triple inside. I'm preaching today. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. So, you know, if you're a sinner, Jesus is outside saying, let me in. There are some churches the Lord's standing outside and let me in. But now let me just talk to high praises. There are some of you in this building today that I feel confident need to let Jesus in. Now, I'm not talking to sinners. I'm not talking to backsliders. I'm talking to you. I'm referring to believers. I'm not saying that you're not saved, okay? I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that God is a God of motion. God is a God of action. We're not deists who think God set everything in motion then sits up in heaven and just lets it run like a clock. God is actively at work everywhere. He's at work in this church. He's at work this morning. He's at work in your lives. And I'm telling you that God wants to do something powerful in your life. God wants to do something necessary in your life you're going to have to open up to him for him to do it. I have degrees in education, but I, my, my most favorite preaching is simple preaching because that's where a lot of truth lies. If you're going to eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich from Chick-fil-A, you got to open your mouth. If you're going to drink that Diet Dr. Pepper, you got to open your mouth, right? If you're going to read a book, you have to open up your mind. If you're going to receive love, okay, and you hope you find Mr. and Mrs. Right, now you got to open up your heart, take a chance. I came here today, and this is the thought that I have to bring to you. I've said everything to get here. To receive from the Spirit of God, you must open up your spirit to him. That's what I want to say to you today. 
I could, I could put the mic down right now and be done. You got to open up. You say, well, okay. But, duh. Is that one of those duh statements? Duh. No, it's not duh. Take it from the guy who's been pastoring for 30-something years. You'd think it'd be a duh statement, but it's not. You know how many people come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, week after week, year after year, and the Lord is moving, and he, say, he, he comes by that person and says, Whoo, let me touch you. I want to do some things in you, and, and the person says, not today. Well, not today. Not right now. I'm, and they close off their spirit. It happens all the time. It happens in Pentecostal churches. You have to open up your spirit to him. There are a lot of reasons people close their spirits to the work of God. And, and let me just give you things that the Lord gave me, and let me see if this resonates with you, okay? Maybe this will help you. Okay, some, sometimes it's the fear of the unknown. If I open my spirit, I don't know what he's going to do. Okay, but can you trust him? Can you trust him? Yes. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to embarrass you. He's going to bless you. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. That's why I preached that series on forgiveness a few weeks ago. We have unforgiveness, so we can't open our hearts. Sometimes it's past hurts. I know some people right now that come to church sometimes. Sometimes they don't come to church sometimes, but they have closed their heart to God. They used to serve the Lord. They backslidden. They've closed their hearts their heart to the Lord because of that past hurt, and they're using it as an excuse to keep the bolt on the door of their heart when the Lord's saying, if you just open your heart and let me come in, I will heal you of all that past hurt. And how many of y'all know I told you this, and that's one of those sermons I preach, church hurt is one of the worst hurts. But I'm just going to say this right now. Get over your church hurt. Get over your church hurt. The grace of God, and that sounds mean. Listen to me. Let me finish. The grace of God is bigger than your church hurt. The mercy of God is greater than your church hurt. They, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost hit me right there. The healing power of God can remedy you for your, from your church hurt. He can restore. He can move you past that so you can. The devil is using that church hurt to push you down, and you're closing your spirit, and you're not having a work of God in your life. Somebody needs this. Sometimes it's wrong information. I, you know, being a Pentecostal, I think about like the baptism with the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues. I still think God wants to fill people with the Holy Ghost in these last days. He said in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. It's still the last days. Matter of fact, it's the last days of the last days. Okay, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit more than ever. I still believe in speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues. I pray in tongues. I believe in speaking in tongues. Okay. By the way, two of the four pastors at New Spring Church are tongue-talking, spirit-filled Pentecostals, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that out there. One of them's my good friend. I, and I'm not making that up. I've asked them. Okay? So I just thought I'd throw that out there because, you know, people say, well, certain churches don't believe. Well, that one has two out of four. I don't know about the other two. They might be. Just thought I'd throw that out there. But some people say, well, I was told that that doesn't happen anymore. I grew up telling, hearing that, you know, that was wrong. As a matter of fact, when I came to this church, I didn't even know y'all Pentecostal, but I liked it so much, and then I found out, and then y'all, y'all, you hooked me. Great, praise the Lord. But now you're sitting here, and you're thinking, well, I just don't know if that's real. I had a preacher tell me this. Why don't you just get in the Bible and read it for yourself? 
Okay, why don't you listen to somebody? I wrote a book on it. Go get that book and read it, When the Natural Meets the Supernatural. Why don't you open up your mind and your spirit and then say, God, if you, did you know that's how, I don't have enough time to preach that. Did you know that's how Pentecost started in America? Did y'all think there were just a bunch of Pentecostals that just said, hey, let's, we're going to be Pentecostals today? It was Baptists and Methodists. Baptists and Methodists who got tired of the same old, same old nominal church stuff there was no move of God. It was a country club. So they were reading stuff in the Bible and said, why is that happening in our church? So they got together in a little group, started praying, having prayer meetings, asking God to make them holy, asking God to, to do what God do what you did in Acts. We don't understand. And all of a sudden, they started speaking in tongues, getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Went back to their churches. They didn't know what to do with them. They turned them out. So they all banded together and started new churches. That's how Pentecost started. Baptist and Methodist. So all y'all, all y'all with a Baptist background. That's your heritage. Y'all started this thing in the first place. You just need to open up your heart and spirit and say, God, if it's real, let it ha- have your way. That's what they did. Lord, if this is real, let it happen. It started happening. Maybe it's a fear of being embarrassed. You don't know, you're keeping your spirit closed because you're, you're very self-conscious. A lot of people are very self-conscious, okay? Leah, can I tell on you? Can I use you as an example? I don't ask Jaron, but I'm going to ask my wife. Last September, I had my, my midlife crisis at 56. I was a little late, and I bought a 2015 Black convertible GT premium fully loaded out with that 5.0 liter Coyote engine in it. Ooh, that thing will move. Every chance I get, I back that thing out. I put that top down, put my sunglasses on because I look bad. (laughs) Just kidding. And I drive that thing. And every once in a while, Leah's got to run somewhere. And I said, babe, why don't you just go ride the Mustang, driving around? And you know what she told me? So she gave me permission. She said, I'm just afraid what everybody's going to think. I said, I don't care what they think. I go to Ingalls, and I get in the car, and men my age will go, that's bad. I said, thank you. I'm in the Mustang club. This, like, 17-year-old went driving by me in this souped-up Mustang on Clemson Boulevard, and as he went by me, he stuck his front hand out the window went he was in a Mustang and I looked at Lee we were in a Mustang she said we're in the club aren't we I said we're in the club fear of embarrassment if, if, if you're worried about what people are going to think you'll never you need to stop worrying about what other people think let's, let's, let's start concentrating on what God thinks what does God think? What does God want? Let's, why do you care about what somebody else wants? You're going to live your life worried about what everybody else thinks? That's why these young people get their hair blue and pink and orange and green. That's right. They want you to look at them. If I ever stare at somebody and they look at me and say, what are you looking at? I'm going to say, you, didn't you do that for this reason? I figured you want me to look at it. That's, that's something. Fear of being embarrassed. Fear of what people will think, what people will say. Why do we care what people think or say? Okay? 
too rational. Sometimes we close our spirit. We, we don't, we're too rational. We don't, we don't have enough faith. And I think that's one of the biggest hindrances in Western civilization in America and Europe. We are, we are Western, we're, we're Western civilization. We, we, we put ration on, on, a, on a throne. We, we put it up on a pedestal. We have to rationalize everything. We have to think it through. We have to be able to analyze it and summarize it and systematize it and explain it. I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to rationalize God. All right, now God is God. And the work of God is the work of God. And you're nothing but a puny little human being. And if God says, I'm going to honor you and come, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And I'm going to come down and honor you. And if you just open the door of your spirit, I'm going to move me in there and do some stuff. You need to just say, you know what? God, have your way. I'm just a puny little human. I don't need to be trying to figure you out. You've already got me figured out, and you know what I have need of before I ask you. So just do something in my life. You see the hindrances? I'm trying to get all y'all. If you would just simply open the door of your spirit to God, he will come in and do marvelous things. You see, he is the king of glory. In the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord would fill the tent of meeting in the desert. And when Solomon built the tabernacle, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle in Jerusalem. God wants to fill you with his glory. I don't have time to preach everything else. I'm just going to just summarize. On the day of Pentecost, listen to me. I got to preach this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got to wrap this up because I want you in the altars. On the day of Pentecost, do y'all think that Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, and the other 100 people that were there on the day of Pentecost, about 120 people, do you think that they had read my book, When the Natural Meets the Supernatural, and they had read Acts chapter 2 and knew what was going to happen that day? No, there was no Acts 2. They made Acts 2 that day. There was no books for them to read. They had no idea what was going to happen. None. They just did what the Lord said to do, got together, had a prayer meeting, and started praying, Lord, don't know what it is, but baptize us with the Holy Ghost. Day after day, Lord, we don't know what's going to happen, but fill us with the Holy Ghost. Send the promise of the Father. Clothe us with power from on high. They didn't know, but they knew when it happened, they know. And when the day of Pentecost came, there was a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind that filled the house. No wind like out there. <laughs> we got some wind going on today, don't we? 25-mile-an-hour winds blowing. There was no wind, no sound of wind, but there was, I mean, no wind, but there was a sound of a hurricane gale. And then there was the, the what looked like fire, it was glory. And it Tongues, they separated, and there was one for each of them. That tells me that God wants to move in every person here in all of your spirits. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues. They didn't know all that was going to happen. They didn't know they were going to speak in tongues. They didn't know, but when it happened, they said, Lord, let it happen. If you want God to do a work in your life, that's what you have to do. You have to say, Lord, let it happen. And he will strengthen you. He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord mighty in battle. Some of you are fighting demons. Some of you have strongholds in your mind. Some of you have strongholds in your heart. If you will just open up your heart, your mind, your life, God will come in. And he would give you victory over those things. But you have to open up your life. I want you to stand with me this morning.
I, I, I would like to do this this way. I want to ask all my prayer team members, they know who they are, the elders, the deacons, life group lead, leaders, all you. I need all of you. I need as many of you as possible to come down here, please, and stand with me at the front, turn and face the congregation because we're going we're to pray for people who want us to pray for them. Just spread out all the way across, please, if you would. Come this side. Thank you so much. Let's get ready to pray for people. Here's what I want to do this morning. I see two things in the spirit for this altar call. Number one, I want to ask everybody to come down. They're going to sing that song we sang last week, Open Space. And I want us to sing it again and say, Lord, my heart and my spirit is an open space for you to come and have your way. And I just want, I want to invite everybody down. I hope everybody will come. And here's what I want to do. If you say, Pastor Chris, you touched on, I've got some areas of my life that are holding me back. I want God to touch me. I want God to work in me. Or I just, I just want God to work in me, period then I want you to get with these prayer team members and let them lay hands on you. And when they lay hands on you, I want you to, listen to me, this is what I want you to do, and I want everybody to do this, but those who come, I want you to say, Lord, right now, I open up my spirit to you. Have your way in me. Every hindrance, every obstruction, every constriction, God, I remove it right now. Every obstacle, God, just move and have your way in my life. Now, let's see what God does this morning. How's that sound? Father, in the next, in the next few minutes, I'm, I'm done. Lord, I can't do anything else. I'll pray with some people, but God, this is, where, this is where, Lord, you have to work. And I pray you'll touch your people today and put a hunger in us. God, put a hunger in us for more of you and for a touch of the Holy Ghost. God, help us to open up our spirits. There are people here, God, that they, they know this message was for some people here today. They know who they are. God, help them today to say, all right, today's the day. Today's the day. I don't care about the past or anything else. Today's the day I'm going to start, not just now, but I'm going to start opening my spirit to God and say, God, work in me. God, have your way right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.